Hello, hello. Welcome to the Affinity Collective Action Broadcast, your one-stop shop for hot banter um, and general mouth vomit to do with anything Irish and abroad mm. from an anarchist perspective. <laughs> Delicious mouth vomit. Yeah, we love a good bit of um, mouth vomit on the show. Nice. Some, some great Nourishes ne- the soul. Yeah, some great news. Uh, we have just updated all of our RSS feed. So if you're listening to this on an app which isn't Podbean, that's great because that means we've been successful. Today, the show is brought to you by myself, uh, that is Mouse, who you should be getting pretty familiar with at this stage. But also with me is... Cassandra, the uh, ethereal vampire. (laughs) And um, also... Marcus, how's it going? <laughs> Great. Really enthralling introduction. Thank you. Do we want to get okay. cracking into it? I think so. Might as well. So, generally, uh, we give a bit of an update about the land recently, uh, or in our most recent podcasts, and where we're at. Um, so, currently, at the moment, uh, we are looking over the contracts for the sale, in which we have a sale agreed on the land. Um, so, we have a solicitor doing that, which is pretty exciting, um, because when those are all sorted out, we can kind of hand over the money, and we'll, we'll be the owner's of uh, a plot of land in order to do our project. So I'm really excited about that. Woo! (laughs) Exciting times. Yeah, definitely. It's nice to have something kind of positive happening in this uh, sea of... Sea of... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Craziness. In this absolute swamp of awful that is the shit show of this country. Having something to look forward to has really changed my mentality anyway and just kind of put a bit more spring in my step. It's been a, a pretty hard couple of it's been a hard year for everybody, you know, and to to oh, know yeah. that, that when 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 there's a bit of motion uh in what we're allowed to do in the next little while that we'll actually be able to come out of it with something to do, like a direction to go and you know, stuff like that. That that helps a lot for me, I think. More pleasant dreams. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) or dreams at all, even. Well, it's definitely nice, especially with the lockdown. I think you can go pretty crazy if you haven't got something to do. So being able to work on all all the little bits and pieces around this project has certainly kind of like kept my mental health up, personally. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we want to start by running over some news, what's happening in the world? Yeah, let's, let's talk about some shit. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll start closer to home. So, uh, so the other day there's been uh, an inquiry, not an inquiry. There's been pressure from the Irish state for the British state to release the inquiry into the murder of Pat Finucane, who was killed up north. This is quite an old case. It was in 1989. But what's kind of interesting about it is um, there's myself and a couple of people around me who use um, his son's law firm, which is Finucane's law firm. <laughs> so I, I, I guess this this kind of hits quite close to home here, and there's a lot of, I guess, politics in what's kind of going on here. Mm-hmm. Because Finucane was killed by... The UDA? Ulster Defence Association or something? Okay. I think so. So, a loyalist group, anyway, uh, up in Northern Ireland, and there's a lot of suspicion that this has been in collusion with the PSNI, which is the police force Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. in the north, and a public inquiry was kind of agreed on, I think, back in 2001, um, into this case where Britain was like, yeah, we're going to look into it and release those uh, those documents to the Irish state and that hasn't happened uh, I know that mm. the family, the Finucane family have feel, felt very betrayed kind of like by uh, on the part of like the British state and how they've acted in this field and have been seeking justice for uh, for his death for 30 years 30 years shocking, like that's that's absolutely shocking and it kind of shows mm. how much kind of like the Irish state as a whole does just kind of like pander to the British state, you know? 
Oh, entirely. Like, um, the British state says jump, and the Irish state says how high, my lord. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it works, really. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a particularly horrible killing as well because they were sitting down at the family was sitting down at dinner, and I think there was thirteen oh, shots through the window, and you know the, the kids were there and everything, and I believe. Mr. Finucane's wife was injured in that attack as well. I'm not sure how, but uh, yeah, just really, really awful stuff. That is like harrowing. Like that's like you know PTSD giving shit. Like that's just horrifying. No, definitely, but, yeah. definitely. I, I, like I think that the the largely the takeaway from this is kind of like all of this did kind of like happen under the watch of kind of like the police. At, we, like. Giving them the benefit, children. giving them the benefit of the doubt that that this wasn't actually even a collusion, like you know, which at the very best is like incompetence. But their refusal to like actually seek justice for this is is disgusting. And mm-hmm, if any mm-hmm. of the family listened to this, which I am doubtful of, but if they do find their way to this, our thoughts are with you, and we're wishing you all the best, and we hope that you kind of find justice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not not the most happy uh, not the most happy thing to to start off with, but there is some positive news on the horizon. Uh, it looks like the coronavirus vaccine is making some leaps and bounds. I think there's four vaccines which have a uh, have displayed kind of over ninety percent kind of like resistance or immunity. So. Yeah. Could this be the end of the pandemic? Are we, do you reckon we'll be able to hug people again in the near future? Um, well, I reckon we still have a ways to go before we'll be properly out of the pandemic, probably another year. I think we're going to be looking at another, not quite as bad as this year, year, but another year that's going to have uh, a lot of restrictions. I, I don't think after we after the after the the vaccine starts getting rolled out it i think it will go to or at least it should go to those who need it most and those who are in the most vulnerable positions first so uh people who are of like uh, older demographics people who are on the front lines these are people who should be getting it first and hopefully will get it first but um you know i think people like ourselves will probably be pushed further back uh, to getting it probably late 2021 or early 2022. And even by that stage, I think we'll, we'll, we'll have a much better idea and understanding of, of how um, the vaccine is, uh, is progressing. Um, my guess is it's going to become like a regular thing. Like it's going to be something that's just everybody's going to have to get every year or every three months or something. Yeah, you say that, but I mean, the EU has just agreed to a deal, I think, for like 116 million doses of the Moderna vaccine, if if that... That's the one that's 94% immunity. Yeah, yeah, if... uh, After the the stage is there, but they've already agreed for like, for like hundreds of millions of other kind of like uh, vaccines. This is, this is Brussels now. Um, including mm-hmm. uh, the one from Oxford and uh, the Pfizer one as well, so they're they're definitely gearing up to just have like like a huge rollout of this vaccine. I think I don't I don't know if it will take a long time to filter down to kind of us as the you, general populace. You really think that it's going to be like a situation where like everyone's going to be able to get this by like March or April? Mm. I don't know, but I don't think global capital is very happy with where the where the virus is at now. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely a very very salient point. Um, yeah, global capital is not happy. In fact, it's very very perturbed, uh, to say the least. So having a, a kind of vaccine rolled out would certainly help matters. I, I'm a little bit more skeptical as to like pandemic just going away and ending uh, once the vaccine comes into play i'm like because like we've seen recently the um the interaction of the the virus with mink populations and mutating there i i I do think that like this this virus is potentially gonna be with us for a long long time (laughs) still even if we do manage to, to like vaccinate most of it away 
I'm glad someone's optimistic. I'm optimistic. <laughs> just just on, a, on a very quick tangent, right? Uh, this coronavirus, awful stuff, awful stuff altogether, right? But, yeah, in the last week or two, <laughs> when, I, when I read about the the mink populations and the mutation in the in the Netherlands, and to see the number of mink that are farmed there was just absolutely mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, yeah. I mean, that that they were going to cull them and everything, but to know that it, there was hundreds of thousands of mink being farmed in, in the Netherlands just really, really, really made me sad. And then and then I looked up that it's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing in Ireland still, and I didn't realize we were still at yeah. that shite. Yeah, yeah. Awful oh, yeah. sad. So the entire, most of the population of minks here is getting culled as well. Yeah. Um. I, I, I honestly don't know how I feel about this because it's just like it's obviously extremely tragic that this is still going on in, in like uh, now. But like, I, I on the other side, on the flip side of that, I find it kind of funny that like this entire population of mink in like Europe is going to have to be destroyed now, and there's not going to be any fur coats for people. The entire yeah. fucking fur coat industry is going to suffer. <laughs> oh gosh. And like those minks would have been would have been fucking murdered anyway. Yeah, you know, they, they were they were destined they were destined to be murdered. Yeah, I hope so. somebody loses a lot of money. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. That's... Yeah, I, it would be so good to see these con- companies go bust. But like on this tangent, it I think it's great. a really poignant point. Um, I was having a conversation the other day um, with uh, some some of my friends, um, and they were kind of like, you know, they would on the topic of industrial agriculture. Uh, they were kind of saying what it's like. You know, we hear these horror stories, but like Ireland surely is a bit better. You know, we see cows out in the fields <laughs> and stuff. Uh, and this really shocked me. Like I, I've done um, a degree of activism, kind of in animal liberation and stuff. Um, uh, and and I was kind of taken aback because I was like, well, well, if you think about it, it's like what are Ireland's main kind of like, like meat products it's like it's like uh-huh. pork and yeah. or pigs and selling beef and selling beef to china yeah but, but but pigs and chickens are a huge part of that like you know how often do we yeah. see like irish pork and stuff is that in is I honestly said to them, I was like, when was the last time that you saw a pig or a chicken in a field? Like, all these free-range kind of, like, Irish eggs and all that kind of Mm. stuff, and, like, Irish pork, they're not in that. Like, you see these huge warehouses out in the countryside, and I don't think people's brains click actually what's happening in there. Like, like the, Mm. the industrial agricultural sector is thriving in Ireland and I think these mink numbers kind of like show that in a way that hasn't been highlighted to people um, much at all you know like like I'm from the countryside and like yeah I I I haven't like you you don't see a lot of animals out in fields it's like just cows you know that is incredibly disturbing actually mm-hmm. um i had i had heard this argument before from people because you know i as a vegan i do t- try and sometimes engage with people who don't immediately shut me down or whatever um and like one of the things that i do hear a lot is like oh well ireland's different ireland treats animals with respect and like even just today i saw a clip from like fucking was it michael healy ray i oh. talking about like how um fucking greyhounds live in luxury in this country they all have heated floors and you know live in fucking mansions out the west where they have lots of room to move around and you know just you know sharing pictures from like of abuse that's just not this country we don't do that that doesn't happen here yeah yeah sure greyhounds are the back backbone of uh the irish housing crisis They've got all the flat they've got all the mansions. <laughs> all, those, all those houses being occupied by greyhounds. I see the right wing have gotten another talking point. It was migrants, now it's dogs. <laughs> now it's greyhounds. <laughs> it's not the huge amount of empty buildings just littering our streets, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Every fucking town in this country probably has, yeah. like, empty buildings in it. Yeah. Like, literally everywhere. And like property prices just continue to soar, but yeah, the other the other thing, and just in relation to like animal rights, is just like, um, you know, like we're gonna see like, I mean, you, uh, 
talking about the, the end of this pandemic and like looking forward to potentially that coming down the line in the next few months mm-hmm. um like it this isn't this isn't over like we yeah. could be we could end up with another pandemic in a year's time or two years time because yeah. our relationship to nature is so completely fucked off the charts like we are literally destroying the biosphere and the more we encroach upon the natural world the more this kind of event is going to happen where um you know we drive some animal uh, out of its habitat and then it interacts with another uh, animal in another habitat and that creates some kind of mutation in a virus that it only exists in one of those animals that can somehow transfer to humans and boom you have another pandemic or another uh, epidemic potentially uh, it only becomes pandemic once it like goes global or, like, or from con- th- this is how or this from is- concentrated kind of like animal farming as well like 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 the conditions i mean this is the re- this mm. is the really terrifying one this is the really terrifying one because like you have situation a situation where all these animals are being force fed like antibiotics in order to fan them up plumping them up for you know uh, to increase the yield for, for meat for human consumption um but this is like creating a massive super uh, bacteria problem back like and so that there's loads of bacteria now that are like increasingly becoming resistant to penicillin and penicillin has been the backbone of modern medicine since it was invented in like was it the 20s it was around world war one I, I think yeah so, okay, so yeah, yeah. yeah in, in, a, in and around that time. But this is a really good point. Like, I don't, I think antibiotics aren't used for like plumping up meat. It's to stop stop animals dying. But I I do think they're really okay. Well, that's not what I heard. But okay. But um, well, uh, I mean, when, when you when you have hundreds of animals kept together in really tiny confined spaces and they're all pooping and peeing on all over each other. Uh, you need those antibiotics in order to maintain food production, meat production, under those circumstances, because they, otherwise they'd okay. all die from the infections that they'd be giving each other. But, so that's what right. The okay, are for. that actually makes a lot yeah. of sense. Okay, thank you. Yeah, but 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 to be me. fair, like like it is a really good point because I I think quite a few people are aware of how. Um, superbugs are created through the overuse of mm. antibiotics but a lot of people don't realize that over 90% of antibiotics are actually being used on uh, animal agriculture aren't going to humans yeah. so like a lot of these um, superbugs are a product of kind of like the the livestock animal industrial animal agriculture agricultural industry that's a mouthful um which (laughs) again just like raises these huge kind of like concerns that we should all have about an industry that in ireland you just can't touch like you can't touch it yeah yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy um yeah, so I, I think the more people talking about this and raising the basic questions about it, the better. Because I think people are dramatically underinformed. It's all going to come back and bite us in the ass soon. I mean, you know, worse than it did this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we kind of like we kind of looked out with this pan with this pandemic. To be honest, I mean, this is kind of like Mother Nature shaking us and being like, "Time to wake up now." Uh, this is like. A very stark warning, I think, or at least could be interpreted as such. You know, human behavior as it stands is going to get us all fucking killed. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think there's a a poignancy in that and and a great truth. Um, And I could definitely talk here, like I could talk about uh, animal agriculture uh, for days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, same, same. Um, but we should probably okay. move on because there's a lot of stuff kind of happening in kind of like global news at the minute. Um, and a yeah. lot of it kind of does deserve uh, attention. Um, France Absolutely. is taking a bit of a center stage at the minute for <laughs> it's now bordering yeah. fascist policies to do with Islam uh-huh. yeah. on quite a few accounts. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Cass? Yeah, so um, last week the French government announced they were going to have new policies with regards to like Muslims and um, Muslim integration or whatever. Um, like just shocking stuff where they want the they're, what they're, what are they calling it like Republican uh, Republican values or something. I'm gonna have it 
down here somewhere because it's very it's very cryptic yeah republican values so it's like they they want to make sure that because they've been the target of several terrorist attacks or whatever they want to make sure that there's none of this you know quote unquote ideology uh, in the muslim community so it's basically they're 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 taking advantage of uh, the of this situation to over police yet again the muslim population um who are extremely already over policed in uh, in France um uh, you know they want to give like like they want to have id numbers put on kids like i mean this is like this is like two half steps away from like you know tattooing a barcode on their necks like yeah definitely no and and you know that's immediately where my kind of mind went as well when when you were yes. telling me kind of about this this kind of like serial number thing happening for for Muslim children in France at the minute and like like France is such an Islamophobic country like if if you yeah. if if you're not following it it can be hard to realize like just how much Muslims get policed there and like you cannot analyze this without understanding the colonization of the Muslim world that France has been a huge part of throughout history like with the current um, migrant crisis you know a lot of those borders that were drawn in the Arab world are from France like it's from Mm -hmm. France and Britain sitting down and dividing territory post World War One so like Yeah, it's 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 bad, like especially considering the history that that France does have in this regard. And then there was yesterday when they announced uh, new laws with regards to like um, filming the police, which is like insane stuff. They want it so that you can't identify any police officer in any media under like pretty much like most circumstances i think there are a couple of different circumstances where it's like allowed but like in most circumstances it will not be allowed and they're going so far as to saying that they're going to mandate that like uh news coverage will be will have to like uh you know blot out police officers face faces in like yeah like i mean this is like this is the level of like I mean, these are, these are far-right policies. All of these... So, are, like, so you're that, saying that, that, that there, there is, is, there is now going to be a faceless police force going around tagging Muslim children. I mean, like... That, like that, that, is, that is what Macron wants. That is the France Macron wants, and that is what they're trying to do right now. Um, as far as I'm aware, this police bill hasn't been fully approved yet, but it's, uh, it's going through the motions. I'm not familiar with the particulars of how the French state actually operates in terms of passing laws and stuff, but as far as I'm aware it is going through the process. This is shocking. Like, absolutely shocking. And before, like, I mean, the other day now as well, we're seeing footage kind of like of what's happening in Paris and some people may have uh, seen or heard Mm -hmm. about this, of there was a migrant camp uh, mostly people from the Middle East and North Africa um, who are undergoing kind of like a lot of conflicts in a lot of that part of the world and are migrants for whatever reason but but haven't got anywhere else to go uh, a lot of them set up kind of like a temporary camp in Paris and the police forcibly uh, have evicted them but in like an incredibly brutal manner like anyone resisting mm-hmm. to leave has just been like beaten some of like the footage is yeah is shocking and like in this regard, I know there were um, activists and migrant rights groups that went out to try and like help the situation, and a lot of them got attacked by the police too. It's just mm-hmm. like on the back of these incredibly Islamophobic policies coming in, it's like this is really scary, you know, and just really horrible to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I described this on Twitter as being um, uh, Macron making the bed for Le Pen. Um, because that's that's what it feels like, really. Um, because yeah, uh, like th- th- these are th- th- these are all policies that Marine Le Pen would uh, be pushing. You know, I'm not entirely sure what her political platform is because I don't really concern myself with that. Um, but like th- these are far right policies, and there's there's no point in stra- in trying to like pretend that this isn't uh, that. France is not heading in that direction because they very clearly are. Yeah, it was pretty awful. I think um, that 
the that camp. I think it was on the steps of Stade de France, and mm. um, and it got cleared out, and people were shoved onto buses, and they were brought away to gymnasiums all around Paris. I don't know. That's pretty. It's just such a strange thing to do to people, like mm. you know. I mean, offering people another place to go when they don't have a lot of options, you know, is you know is fine. But uh, but to beat them, you know, out of mm. where they are in the middle of the night, you know, and then onto a bus and then force them away is pretty fucking scary. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely it's horrifying, really. And like France is France is not that far from us, like geographically speaking. Uh, but politically speaking, also, uh, most people would like you know you you go back even a year, people would probably be telling you that like France is like liberal heart of Europe or whatever. I mean, well, it has it's had that reputation for like over a hundred years as like the liberal yeah, heart yeah, of Europe, yeah. like you know. But this definitely suggests a far move to the right, like the this persecution of like an outgroup which is, like, Muslims and Arab people is just... Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's horrific. And, like, also very sinister that, like... Marcus, you mentioned, like, offering people a space to live, but, like, on the back of this, like, handing out, like, numbers and stuff like that, like, moving people into a controlled location by the police against their will, um, many vulnerable people um, belonging to a certain identity it doesn't sit right in me either. Like, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, that 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 brings up some terrible images from Europe's past. Yeah, 100%. Europe's relatively, relatively recent past. Yeah, and, like, what's the difference between this and, like, an ICE detention centre, like, in the way that it's going as mm-hmm. well, like, of mm-hmm. what we're seeing kind of happening in the US? Like, yeah, I, I this is just further control of kind of like people against their will you know i think this is all very symptomatic of like the collapse of the capitalist system uh at least the neoliberal order that has governed us since the 70s the late 70s is very thoroughly in collapse now and we're seeing that just by the measure of the fact that all of these centrist governments are implementing far-right policies left right and center yeah like like it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to be i mean i say this a lot but it doesn't make sense to be a centrist kind of in the world uh as it stands because we are seeing kind of like the collapse of neoliberalism of like laissez-faire free market capitalism and other stuff has to come in to fill its place you know and like well here's here's the thing right i mean you look at like where they've like like if you look at like Britain, where they have this the far right or far right adjacent Tory party that have like they they kind of came into like I mean like Dominic Cummings right he was like the government advisor he recently went became Dominic Goings thank fuck um, but he was like his whole thing was like. It's like, oh, we're going to have, like, this big state infrastructure thing and we're going to have blah, blah, blah. But when he got into power and when he was doing everything, it was just like, no, we'll just let the market handle everything. And it was just the same old neoliberal rely on the market policies that um, completely, like, the, like, they just completely fell flat. And, you know, he left government without ever having achieved anything, really. Yeah. But, but I mean, even even Britain's move towards Brexit and stuff and kind of, like, isolationism is kind of a, a, a an abandoning of, like, globalisation and kind of, like, neoliberal mm-hmm. around-the-world free market systems. Like, you know, like, there yeah. there is definitely a move away from that. Uh, it's the same with kind of the protectionism that, that Donald Trump represents, you know. And, and yeah. like... A movement away from that is not necessarily a bad thing, but a movement away from that to the right is is like very scary, incredibly dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we should be focusing on kind of like self sufficiency and providing resources locally and stuff like that. But like, we have to be yeah. doing this in a way that is a move to the left, you know, um, because otherwise like the alternative is is fascism like you know like that's where this road leads 
you know, yeah, historically. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's it. So the center can't can't hold, and I think we're seeing that more and more. And uh, Macron slipping away from that center and moving very clearly towards a more fascist or far right position is very indicative of that. It's very telling of where not only Europe, but indeed the entire Western world, I think, is at this point. (laughs) While we're coming to the end of this topic, I just thought I'd quickly mention something that I saw today that I hadn't seen in a little while um, that has to do with France. And that is, uh, it was from a couple of months ago, and it was when the firefighters were asking for more pay, and it was a showdown between some firefighters and some cops. And the cops are there trying to, like, you know, I don't know, beat them up and, and chew them away. And the firefighters are having mm-hmm. none of it and just, like, fucking making mincemeat out of them. And it was great. <laughs> just so oh, yeah, that's right. There's loads of hope in France. There's loads of good people in France. There's there's lots of, you know, it's we, you know, it's been called the whatever you said, the, the heart of liberalism in Europe for a for hundred years. You know, for the, there's good reasons for that. You know, they fucking go hard when they do go. And uh, so, I don't know, it's it's so shit, it's been so shit for, I, I, mm-hmm. has it been five or six years now that there's been these these migrant camps in in France and around Paris and stuff, and, and, and to see the treatment of people and, and the way that the government has mishandled every one of these opportunities, and I mean, I say opportunities because there's been a lot of people with a lot of good knowledge and like I've I've met a lot like there's some really incredible people concentrated in those camps and you know yes, they certainly. just have a really shit life mm-hmm. because of the way mm-hmm. it's been designed around them yeah. and uh, yeah. you know I don't know like but I you know I well, know I, think the, I know I think that the, it can the, be better the real problem the real problem is like the French state refuses to allow any of these people to actually live and integrate like so they yeah. have to as you say concentrate them in these camps in order to try and isolate them and again this comes back to like France being incredibly Islamophobic yeah I, and definitely there are there are loads of good people in France and they do have a culture of um, protesting injustice in a way that that is really admirable in many ways um, but mm-hmm. Like, for the unrepresented outgroup of Muslims at the moment, it seems like there just isn't the hope there. Like, there just, there, there doesn't seem to be the same wave of support as when we've seen protests in the past of people defending kind of like human rights and stuff, you know? And that's scary. That, that just is really, really scary. You know, like, if the, if the minimum wage is cut in France, like, people will go out and burn cop cars, but if Muslims are being tagged and forced to, 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 like, fucking move out of, of where they're staying as, as migrants and refugees, like, the uproar isn't the same, you know? Did we have um? Did we have some other joyous topics to cover? Well, yeah, um, there's we... there's certainly a few. Um, sticking in Europe, and this is just sorry, this is just insane. Um, so there's a there's a uh, there's a right wing uh, member of government in the Netherlands, um, who is the minister for primary and secondary education, whose name is uh, uh, Ari Slob. Uh, which I might be mispronouncing, <laughs> but uh, it's some it's some name, uh, and and he has come out say uh, it's the constitutional right for schools to deal with issues regarding religion and sexuality. Um, but this is coming off of the back of there are a number of Christian schools in the Netherlands at the minute, which mm-hmm. are making. And I shit you not, this is insane. They're making parents sign a waiver to say that their kids are not gay or won't act gay if they go to this school. <laughs> like, like, just... I mean, the, the, the level wow. of insanity is, like, is through the roof. I mean, the, this is... I mean... <laughs> this is... Uh, I, I can't even, like, wrap my brain around this, because it's like... Imagine being a parent asked to sign that form. Like, and it's like, you know, maybe your child isn't, like, old enough to, like, fully realize who they are yet. I mean, you're you're basically, like, imagine asking a parent to do that. Like, to fucking 
put your child in a box because like that's essentially what this is i this is this is crazy like like this this very thing like i'm laugh when i read this i laughed because like yeah. although it's bad it's, it's so ridiculous i mean like that's literally uh-huh. being like, oh, you promised that your kid isn't gay now. It's yeah, like- that's what it, it's, that's it. It's not a, oh, my kid won't act gay. It's just, it's really just a, I promise my kid's not gay. Like, yeah. Dressed up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Because I can control that. Yeah. I can control that. Yeah. Is it, is it? And there will be no, there will be no beatings involved in that control of my child's sexuality. Promise. Pinky swear. Well, I, I, I mean, the, the, the nefarious thing out of this is the reason these parents are made to sign these waivers means that the school can kick kids out for being gay. It's like a way of yeah. maneuvering around kind of like um, equal rights laws that mean that you can't mm-hmm. kick people out of something for being a part of like the LGBT, LGTB, LGBT, sorry, LGBT, LGBT <laughs> plus community. Like you know, like like this is saying that. We can ignore those because these parents promise that their kids aren't gay or won't act in a, in a gay way. Like, you know, like, it's just like we it's it's a very kind of like backdoor way of getting around anti-discrimination laws, which is like why this is something that needs to be fought. Like, you know, it. I mean, that's not the only reason. It's just crazy. Like, this is just mad that this exists in the world. And it, and it comes from, like, this like this really right-wing talking point of, like, the gay agenda. Like, you know, like, which is yeah, just... Yeah. It's just insane. Like, somehow that, that queer people are, like, fighting to, to make everyone queer instead of, like, just wanting to be themselves and not being, you know brutally attacked by people on the street which is the well, world we're it, living like, in now. I mean, this is this is why like the the gay agenda has transformed into like the trans agenda so that these people can um you know go out and then like cause, like this is where the focus of kind of the right wing um uh anti-queer kind of stuff is is focused on now it seems to be mostly focused on trans kids mm-hmm. because trans kids get like so little they get no represent they have no representation like none mm-hmm. um like uh so uh the the people don't know that trans kids exist and are real yeah and you know should have rights and all that so it's easy for these like right wingers who hate lgbtq people to uh step in and be like oh well this child is seriously confused you know you, yeah. you have to like for the good of your child you have to make sure that they don't um you know d- don't listen to them just don't listen to their child to your child you know? yeah literally give your kid trauma growing up because they feel like society yeah. isn't treating them how they feel inside like like because yeah. you know like like it is a complicated issue talking about like like trans minors because it's like like, it is a very confusing point in life. But, like, access to, like, blockers and stuff like that, like, doesn't really... Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt anyone, like, you know? Like, delaying no. puberty to give someone time to make up their mind as to how they feel, like, the kind of person that they are, like, who they are, like, their gender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems crazy that, that that is such a contentious issue. Like, you know, yeah. like having to... Well, I mean, this is this is where the whole fear-mongering thing comes in. And that's where it comes directly out of, like, the, the, the fear of, like, homosexuality, which I assume is the same kind of fear, there, the fear of uh, transgender identity. And it's the same as kind of the fear of the of homosexuality, which is, like, what, what's causing... What's kind of, like, the basis for this... Why are people this form, scared of so homosexuality? <laughs> It doesn't affect them. I mean, <laughs> who's scared? Like, like people, people will be scared of a lot of different things, you know. And but like, why? I assume because the media spent like literally decades fearmongering about. Like, I mean, it was easier to do in like the eighties and the nineties when you know AIDS was a big thing that was uh, unresolved and let run rampant through the community. Mm-hmm. Um. Speaking of pandemics that were unaddressed uh, and diseases that were let run rampant, 
yeah so like it was easier to do back then because like it was like oh well gays are all these just diseased freaks you know and if you get if you're gay you're just you're gonna die by the age of 25 because you know you get AIDS or something but who like who like, like the, the, the real honesty is like who does it affect like unless mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I don't the 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 concept of like this 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 homophobia like is is just it, it's just insane like it's it's crazy people like like you you wouldn't you wouldn't be scared of like just let people be people like it doesn't care it doesn't matter who you love or like like who you are like like it just doesn't matter like just let it go like unless you're unless you're but, but you're destroying the family if you do that mouse you're destroying family. the family do you know what what'll the destroy fa- a family? family repressing family. the fact that you're queer and not being able to express who you are that'll destroy a family, family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um am so, i yeah. right in thinking that there was uh trans senator elected in the states yes, there there was yes there was i cannot remember what her name was but she has just been elected um uh there was a there was a number of like uh queer uh people elected in the u.s actually this election cycle um i should probably get her like a retrospective on these people and like because like after 2016, um, and you know it was AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib were all elected, and like uh, I immediately got into like looking up who these people were, and I was like, oh hey, look, hope, <laughs> hope. <laughs> oh man, hope, <laughs> ah hope, yeah. how I miss you. AOC's definitely brought me to tears once or twice. Hmm. But yeah, so I mean, um, I look forward to finding out who these people are, and like, um, uh, hope hopefully they will have like a, a very positive impact on uh, American politics. But like, the flip side of that is like, there was like a QAnon conspiracy theorist fucking election as well. So, um, again, going back to our talk about the center collapse. Yeah. <laughs> I think there were there were more uh, queer people elected than QAnon people though. So uh, if you oh for sure <laughs> if you count which direction the center is collapsing, let's hope it's a let's hope that that that's a, a greater sign of it's going in our direction. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, uh, I I guess kind of I mean and look. That's positive, but I think something that we have to talk about in terms of, like, global politics is kind of, like, how America will be uh, playing second fiddle to China upcoming. Um, China has now just launched, yeah. uh, just launched a rocket the other day to go to the moon to collect samples um, to bring back, which will make it the third nation to do it. Um, the other two being the USA and the USSR, which no longer exists. So mm-hmm. that's pretty incredible. Um, that is China in a very like uh, defiant way, saying that you know we 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 are able to produce this technology. We are taking kind of mm-hmm. the center of the world stage. You know they've got a, a thriving space program, um, and that kind of shows the strength of their economy. You know. Yeah, I think that's only going to get stronger as well because, like, um, like the U.S. has, for the most part, like I mean, there's. There was no reason to, but for the most part, the U.S. has abandoned um, the idea of uh, space exploration uh, in terms of just, like, for, like, in and of itself for, like, scientific merit and shit. And, like, I mean, I don't know why. Um, it was a I competition. Think, well, like, like, the yeah. thing with capitalism... Yeah. The thing with capitalism, I think, is that it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it, okay. it, it's not actually, like, innovative in its own way like capitalism tries mm-hmm. to just outdo something whereas it takes a different system in order to actually like 
discover something completely new or to pursue something mm-hmm. like space ex- exploration like you know because unless yeah. you're trying to beat someone or you're scared you're going to lose all your money and want to flee to Mars or something um, yeah. you know like, well, like it doesn't hold yeah, any so like the only on. reason they had that space but like the even after the USSR collapsed they still had a kind of space explorations thing going on for a little while it was only really after kind of you know Francis Fukuyama's end of history that like they were like ah fuck it we don't we don't need to do this no more we, we just pair that right back um, and and they they haven't really gone back to look at that since but like interestingly enough like there's a lot of capitalist firms that are interested in getting into space purely for I believe you know mining minerals off asteroids kind of reasons or fleeing to Mars in the case of or global destruction but like who's who's got it like I mean if Elon Musk wants to go live on Mars with an with an army of his like weird nerd slaves working I God bless them. <laughs> go, go do your thing on Mars and fuck off. Leave, leave our Earth, our ecosystem alone. Thank you. You're not welcome back. Don't let the atmosphere hit you on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I, like we were also talking before, Cass, kind of about uh, how, like, the differences between China and the US and, like, how the virus oh, yeah. is being handled by both. And, like, it's. Oh, fuck, yeah. It's yeah. shocking. I mean, like, China has, like, an, an incredible population density, like, you know, and yeah. their cases are just minimal. Like, just minimal. Like, at the yeah, moment. you're looking at, like, like, I looked at the last few days and it's, like, 11 cases. 13 cases, 14 cases. This is like the last few days. And those are cases. Those aren't deaths. Those are cases. Uh, cases in the United States are regularly now above 100,000 uh, and typically now between 150 and 250,000 cases oh per day. God. Per day. Oh my God. That's just shocking. Like, that's that's a huge amount of people. Like, like, like by the end yeah. of this pandemic, there won't be probably a person in the US who hasn't lost someone to COVID. Like, with, with that number I mean, of cases. I, I, it's probably already that case. It, that, that's probably already the case now. I mean, like, if you, like, there were, like, a couple of states where it was, it's so bad that it's, like, one in ten people currently have COVID. Like, that's how bad it is. That's just... Um, I think it was, like, North Dakota and South Dakota, I think. I'll have to recheck that map. But that was from a few weeks ago. That was from a few weeks ago. <laughs> um... But yeah, like, America is just fucking drowning in COVID. And, like, what, what, what's, uh, what's fucking Joe Budden gonna do about it? Like, nothing. Like, they can't do anything. Like, he's, like, if you look at, like, what his actual, like, he, he ran his whole campaign on being, like, I'm the guy who's gonna stop COVID and, you know, Trump won't do anything, but I'm going to. And then he get he's getting into power. And what's he gonna do? He's gonna do nothing. He's gonna do nothing. Like, their, their COVID relief plan is identical to Trump's, except for the possibility of having a mask mandate, which won't even be enforced. And it won't even be enforceable because, like, 25% of the country are crazy and believe that the fucking virus is a hoax. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it looks grim. I mean, like, like, the individualistic nature of the US, I think, just... Like, it's just on display here. Like, like... it's insane that people wouldn't be taking steps not because of government mandates but just because it's the right thing to do in order to protect the people in their community like you know like like I'm not inclined to listen to government guidelines I I actually don't care what they say I will go with what I feel is right in a situation like you know which is like I am personally reducing the amount I'm seeing people to to a very small number like mostly just the people I live with and a few exceptional circumstances like you know and it's like this is like just like like come on like like this kills Mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. this affects people we have a duty to all of the people around us to like not spread this thing like a mask is the least you can do. Like, like, put on a mask. Yeah. Like, it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> but like, yeah, I, but like these people will make up any excuse to just not, not even do that. Like they'll be like, oh, I, I have an exception because I have breathing difficulties or something. It's like, well, like doctors say that even if you have breathing difficulties, you shouldn't have problems wearing a mask. Like unless you have like like some kind of extreme condition, like respiratory condition, in which case you probably shouldn't be leaving the house yeah. during, you know, uh, uh, a pandemic where there's like a respiratory virus that kills people going around. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I'm just, I, like, I read a, a thing from like, my God, it was like a thread from like a US nurse and they were like, Oh, you know, the hardest part of this of this job has been, uh, you know, treating patients with COVID who are COVID deniers, uh, who will like yell at them, yell at them for like fucking helping them while they're actually like, you know, struggling to breathe, having the virus. How do you deal with that? Uh, like, how, like, how can I, you deal I with that? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. Like, some of these healthcare workers must just have iron fucking wheels like yeah. and like bringing it back home back to here like yeah. knowing that like student nurses aren't getting paid to deal with this I shit know. shocking like it's it's just it's criminal it's criminal and like if in the next few months everything does calm down and we can get some sense of normality back i i don't think we should uh, lean into that normality. I think we need to lean into fucking, um, you know, uh, disrupt, disrupt, disrupt as much as possible. Like, we mm-hmm. need to organize. We really, really fucking need to organize. And, like, particularly in this country where, you know, you have um, basically uh, this is just a playground for international capital. Like, uh, yeah. we really need to organize. Like, entirely need to organize entire sectors of, yeah. of this country to fucking... Um, to get decent paying conditions because um, it, it's just not on that like we can be in the middle of a pandemic and people are expected to live on like 350 a week because like you know or that people are still going to work during like the highest level of lockdown yes yeah. uh, yeah it's insane uh, I think it is it's absolutely insane um, on this note though there's an interesting oh I didn't make a note of this so I, I'm probably going to get some of the information skewed but there was a a group set up by the government to um, to ask like how can we help artists recover um, from COVID and they've suggested um, actually universal basic income UBI for artists for the next three years which is I don't know if it's gone to the government yet, but will be going to the government as a proposed bill, which is really exciting, not only because that'll be positive for art in the country, but also at the prospect of UBI coming into the nation as a whole on kind of a slippery slope mechanism of like, actually, this seems to work. Yeah, I'm I'm very wary about um, UBI, though. Um, I mean, I think that like, you could very like I mean I think if you implement it on top of the current welfare state, okay, then you can talk about what to do there. But like um, very often when you see people pushing UBI, uh, you'll see that it's very very frequently attached to a flat tax, and that should ring all kind of alarm bells in your head because what a flat tax is, uh, what it means is that you, uh, a worker, or you, uh, a person who is on below uh, the average industrial wage or whatever, you are going to be paying the same percentage in tax as like a millionaire or a multi-billionaire. Uh, you're going to be paying the same exact uh, percentage of tax that they are. So for every euro you make, you're paying the same percentage of tax that they are, uh, despite the fact that they're making three to four hundred times what you're making. Uh, so, and like, this is like uh, a libertarian's wet dream. This is like, this is mean, a right wing... Oh. Sorry, do you mean that every everybody would pay the same percentage, or the same amount? Everybody would pay the same percentage. Okay. So, instead of like, a somebody on... A progressive tax that we have. 
Yes. So, like, instead of what you have where, like, here, where it's, like, if you're paying, if you make below, you know, uh, 18000 or whatever, you basically pay, like, minimal taxes. Like, uh, you'd, be, you'd be paying 33% of your taxes, regardless. Right. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a millionaire, instead of paying 50% in your taxes, you're paying 33% in your taxes. So it's something that disproportionately uh, benefits uh, the higher uh, the higher strata of society. Uh, the second thing is just that it's always kind of talked about in relation to like kind of collapsing the rest of the uh, of the welfare state. Uh, it's like people who talk about UBI are like, oh, you don't need uh, income support. You don't need uh, benefits for like uh, unwed mothers. You don't need benefits for all that shit. Just get rid of all of that and bring in a UBI, uh, which is like really dangerous shit. Because yeah. it's like, again, it's talking about destroying these like th- th- this welfare, the welfare system that like people have fought for. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, people have fought long and hard for, for these benefits. And to just say you want to collapse them in and have this UBI, it's, it's it's a bit of a slap in the face. I mean, if UBI comes in on top of that, that's a different story. Um, but it's not going to work out like that. Or at least that, that's not what I can see happening. Um, the other thing then is just like, if UBI comes in and it stagnates, God, you have a real fucking bad situation there because rents are like spiraling out of control anyway imagine what it's going to be like in 10 years if the ubi is set at 300 euros whatever per person uh you can imagine trying to live on 300 quid and like having rentals that are like 2000 quid a month that like anyone who's just getting ubi can't afford oh, so well, they have well, to obviously i believe yeah. in um guillotining all of the landlords and squatting all of the buildings <laughs> so like you know th- this is this is a move in the right direction in my head and obviously doesn't involve dismantling the rest of the social welfare in the country and ultimately isn't what i'm gunning for 100% to excuse the pun um Mm-hmm. But, you know, could be a positive impact in people's lives if it is done correctly. And at the very least, in terms of, like, artists who do struggle and who do play an important role in society, which is greatly underappreciated, um, mm-hmm. this is positive, you know. We we are a culture of art, you know, and it has suffered greatly kind of in the last few years. Ireland has suffered greatly in general. I mean, like <laughs> that's true. It, like just, just just last week, I was like, um, I have a friend. He's in New Zealand, and like we were looking at like Google Maps, like going around like Google Street View, like walking around the streets of Wellington, and being like, I mean, like anyone who knows anything about New Zealand history knows that they too were colonized by the Brits. But like they have like massive infrastructure, huge beautiful buildings and shit, and it's like you go and you like take a trip down like an average Irish town and you see like all of these just stone gray buildings that are like can I can I, I, I mean the fucking, there's something of you the Catholic said. Church control over this country yeah there's something like, there's, there's something there's, you said there which I, I do kind of have a problem with you are like New Zealand's been colonized okay. by the British I mean it's indigenous people are but large the majority of the population of New Zealand is actually descendants of British people like you know there mm-hmm. there is a significant like Maori population and stuff like that but it, it is not the same situation as Ireland um, and that is no but, uh, yeah. that is kind of important True. to keep in mind it's it is quite a different situation true but like you could I, I think it's I think it's important to note that like uh, the effects that like the colonization has had on Ireland in that, like, we have not developed. We have not had any space to develop. And when we did get our independence or whatever, we were under the thumb of the Catholic Church. And that, too, hampered our development uh, for many, many years. And in a lot of cases, it still does. I mean, you look at the Catholic Church, they're still um, on boards of hospitals and shit, you know? Yeah, they're the largest... Bonds of they're, course, people. They're the largest private landowner in the country. Exactly. Still they own, what, 92% fuck. of the schools? Oh, it's a lot of the sc- especially the primary schools. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, 
Very good points, and definitely something we should all be keeping in mind, I guess, as kind of like social welfare does develop. And what we hope will be a more left government looking to the future, which I think there is great potential for. Um, but... I mean, there there is, but like, I, I, I don't, like, I, I really would like to see the current government collapse, but like... They're all they have they have each other's backs so well, like at this point. I mean it's kinda of disturbing actually. Yeah, no, I, I I do I do understand that. Um it has been um a little disheartening kind of like seeing the the status quo government like pull together in order to like keep its power. Which is scary. Mm-hmm. But I mean in the interest of kind of like moving on to discuss maybe one or two more topics before we drag on for too long, because I think we've been going yeah, just for, over an hour now. Yeah, about an mm-hmm. hour. Um, the there's, I mean, it's it's quite bad what's happening in Colombia at the minute, but um, yes. but we're seeing a lot more kind of like. Um, leftist revolutionary kind of like activity coming out of the country and like a quick update on this um, uh, FARC which is quite a a famous um, group in Colombia which is the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia Um, uh, they signed a peace treaty with the Colombian government a while ago now this is somewhat broken down the last two years there's been a very right wing government um, led by Ivan Duque I don't know how to pronounce his name unfortunately Um, but that government has been um, very kind of like anti-negotiating with left-wing groups and has kind of um, aggravated the conflict a little bit more. Um, There is a new group which is gaining a lot of traction called the ELN, um, which is the Marxist National Liberation Army. I saw that actually. Yeah, yeah. and they've been kind of like trying to fight back against this right wing government, um, using kind of like armed tactics and stuff. And the government has refused to enter any peace talks with them. Um, but just, just to kind of like, just to give uh, a number to kind of like understand how oppressive the government is to left wing organizers, um, just in 2020 alone, 256 human rights activists and community activists have been killed. And this is strictly non-combatants. Non-violent leftists have been just murdered, um, often by right-wing paramilitary groups, which work um, at least unadhered by the police, but oftentimes in conjunction with them. Colombia famously, or semi-famously, was the center for right-wing paramilitary attacks against union workers in the past. A lot of union leaders would have been um, brutally murdered, sometimes in the workplaces that they were working in, which kind of suggests um, foul play by the actual companies that don't want their workers to organize. Uh, Coca-Cola was one company in Colombia which had an especially bad reputation yep. for this. I mean... Yeah, they murdered a whole bunch of union organizers, like... Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Um, but, like, yeah. things seem to be kicking off again. It seems like the left-wing paramilitary groups are starting to say enough is enough. And I just think it's important for us to kind of, like, mention what's happening there um, and to try and kind of, like, like wish the Colombian people our very best. Um, like, it, they, they've had a very brutal history and, and continuing present, and it's really unfortunate that a lot of people are in this position. Um, a lot of this stems out of the... American repression of leftist movements in Latin America, as well as using the mechanisms of the war on drugs in order to enact that. Um, a lot of the Colombian police are armed to tackle kind of like cocaine and stuff like that, or because that's the Colombian cocaine is is pretty famous. Um, yeah, and those police then are just absolutely armed for the teeth, which kind of has an ulterior motive of kind of fighting leftists. Um, it, it, it 
like kind of US imperialism and Colombia are so heavily tied together, it's very difficult to talk about one without talking about the other, you know? Well, thanks for giving us the update there. Um, I have not been following what's been going on in Colombia. Because um, I think, again, because it's, again, it's so closely linked with, you know, what the US does in terms of its imperialism, that like, it just doesn't get covered. It just doesn't get covered. Like, not one of those, like, 200 and how many, how many? People, 256. This is, this is, I forget the name yeah. of the group, but this is a third party independent group that came up with this number. Not one of those 256 deaths, not word of those 256 deaths reached mm-hmm. my ears. Yeah. And it's not like I'm, like, completely isolated. Like, I, I get news from around the world pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this is to suppress left-wing movements by murdering, like, non-combatants. This is strictly non-combatants. This isn't people being killed who would be, like, uh, FARC dissident paramilitaries or Mm -hmm. ELN members, like, you know. Well, I think this proves that, like, the the peace deal that the FARC reached with the government is probably not going to hold uh, long-term. I mean, I'm surprised with this level of outright murder that like it's even holding now yeah no i i do think that that is close to breaking down and kind of why i wanted to mention it here so that people can kind of keep an eye on that spot yeah uh, i hope things work out well for them best of luck being comrades <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely um you had some other news from Latin America as well, I believe. Oh yeah, there was uh, the 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 people of Guatemala uh, burned down the government building. Yeah, <laughs> go on. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, pretty fucking awesome to see the videos of that showing up in my uh, in my Twitter feed. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, very very joyous news. Um, so like the. The government there were planning on implementing uh, a budget that was very much an austerity budget, you know, cuts to education, uh, stuff like that. And um, the people were just said they just had enough and they rolled a big fucking fuck off guillotine up to the gates of fucking of of their government building. And uh, they set fire to it. And it was it seemed very celebratory and very like uh, you could you could feel that like righteous anger coming through those videos and I'm like yes we need some of this over here like this is the correct response yeah to like when your government it says okay die now in its policies like that is the correct response a hundred percent and solidarity to those people um they are doing 100%. fantastic work I mean that's just you know, um, I think we're getting to the end of our podcast. That is such a positive note mm-hmm. to uh, to end on. So thank you all cool. so much for listening. Uh, if you are listening on an app that isn't Podbean, uh, we're very happy to have reached you. <laughs> Everything's working correctly then. Um, please like our podcast. Uh, subscribe. You can also email us if you have any comments you want to make or any requests you'd like of us. Our email address is affinitycollective at protonmail.com We also have a website affinitycollective.info You can check us out there kind of like uh, more about the project that we're trying to do here in Ireland. Um, Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Stay fresh, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.